right, good morning or good afternoon, as the case may be, depending on uh, what time, when, where you are turning into, uh, tuning into the world-famous Cotton Companion podcast. We want to welcome you. We hope that you are having a good one, wherever you may be, across the great showy white cotton fields of the U.S. Cotton Belt, or they may be the great uh, recently picked, recently stripped cotton fields of the U.S. Cotton Belt, whatever the case may be. The Cotton Companion Podcast welcomes you back. We are uh, glad to have you. I am Beck Barnes, uh, publisher and editor of Cotton Grower Magazine, and I am joined today, as always, by our senior editor, Mr. Jim Stedman. Howdy, Jim. Howdy, Beck. How are and, uh, and greetings to everyone out there who uh, I hope you're, if, if you're not finished, I hope you're really close on harvest. Yeah, I suspect most are. Um, as we get started in here, before we jump into that, I want to take a brief moment to thank our sponsor for this year, the fine folks at Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. Okay, so we know that, uh, as Jim alluded to a minute ago, that so many of you are either wrapped up or you are in the midst of finishing up harvest. So if you're still out there, we hope that we are riding along with you in the cab of that picker or stripper. Um, if you are put away, well, kick your feet up and join us here. <laughs> I actually had a farmer buddy reach out to me the other day out of the blue to ask if uh, a star is, he knew I'd been to the movie to see this movie. He's, he asked me if a star is born is a good movie, and I thought, oh, he must be, he must have got put away, like, like finished up picking that day, and his <laughs> wife was like, okay, I got you back, uh, we're going to the movie show tonight. Yeah, so, you're, you're on my schedule now. Yeah, exactly, so yeah. Uh-huh. I, was, I was happy to hear it, I'm happy for the <laughs> farmer's spouses out there who were finally getting y'all back in the house, I'm sure your honeydew lists are uh, expanded, but um glad that y'all are put away, I know that the uh, happy for the happy for the wives. Feel bad for them deer out there as we get into uh, that season. So, anyhow, we got a great episode for you uh, in store today. We are going to be reviewing, as we always do, uh, the latest ag news of the day. It's pretty, um, it's pretty skeleton staffed uh, episode today. It's just going to be Jim and I throughout uh, discussing these things. As uh, as I say, we're going to start off with our ag news segment that Jim leads. We're going to follow that with our market minute discussion, uh, as we always do. And, and this week, we're just going to be discussing the uh, WASDE report, which was just released. How recently, Jim? Last Thursday. Just this past Thursday. Um, today's Monday, I should say. What is it, November 12th? So uh, anyhow, WASDE report was just released a few days ago. We're going to be talking about that. And then after that, we're going to have our uh, One Big Thing segment, which we do at the end of each episode. And I believe today we are going to be talking about the re-registration news, uh, uh, re-registration of dicamba news that just came down the pipe here in the past week or so uh, that I know has been kind of a hot topic. So uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. We are going to uh, dive right in here with Jim. I know we want to talk crop progress and we want to talk uh, some payments that have been uh, come back around, Jim. So don't mm-hmm. let me uh, step on your toes there. Take it away. Okay. Well, since since we're hoping everybody is uh, is is either finished or is uh, successfully in the fields picking or stripping their cotton right now, let's start with the crop progress report. And this would be uh, the report as of November fourth. Uh, as we said here today, it is uh, the Veterans Day holiday for the for the U.S. government, so USDA will not be releasing their current their most recent report until uh, tomorrow afternoon. As a matter of fact, so 
But we'll take a look at this based on um, on the numbers from a little over a week ago. Uh, bowls were open, quite honestly, on about you know ninety ninety five percent, hundred percent of the crop, depending on what state you're in. So we're not worried too much about that uh, that figure anymore. Um, cotton harvest as of November fourth, we uh, we had forty nine percent of the crop harvested. Uh, which is just slightly below our five-year average of 52%. Uh, you look at some of the numbers, and uh, particularly when you look into the, uh, the Mid-South states, uh, we're talking about 80, 85, 90, 91% of that harvest already complete. So uh, we're moving right along uh, as, as, as things go. Uh, cotton condition, we're still, uh, we're still sitting here with things in threes. In, in three separate uh, compartments. Uh, we're talking about uh, the crop. Uh, 33% of the crop is still rated uh, good to excellent. 32% of the crop is still rated fair. And now we're up to 35% of the crop into that poor, very poor category. And, and we can certainly thank uh, Hurricane Michael and continued rainfall through uh, uh, and and bad weather basically through most of the cotton belt, just as uh, as everybody was ready to roll to the fields. So that's kind of our our crop report at this point. Uh, let's move ahead to our next our next topic. Uh, this was this broke about uh, just about a week ago. Uh, basically, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue uh, has indicated that he expects USDA to announce in December. Payment rates applicable to the second 50% of the 2018 production of crops that are eligible for the market facilitation program. Uh, in early September, USDA announced the program and the beginning of the sign-up period at that point that runs until January 15th of 2019. Uh, the payment rate for cotton on the first on the first 50% of 2018 production. Uh, is six cents a pound for both upland and extra long staple. Uh, Secretary Purdue noted that the payment rates are expected to remain the same for the second 50% of production. So obviously USDA wants producers, wants you folks uh, to visit your farm service agency office, sign up for the program, and certify your total 2018 production once harvest and ginning of the crop is complete. And I realize things are running a little bit behind for some folks, but uh, check with your farm service agency office on, on that. Uh, production records data will be required if producers are selected for a spot check to confirm actual production certified for the program. And for cotton, uh, you can use either warehouse receipts or gin bale listings for production evidence. Uh, crop insurance records also generally are a good source of documentation but they shouldn't be used if quality loss adjustments have reduced the production uh, account at this point. Uh, you have until May 1st of 2019 to certify your final 2018 production for the program. If you want more information, uh, either check with your farm service agency or go online to uh, www.farmers.gov. You can find uh, more information there. Now, obviously, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, because we've talked about this before, uh, keep December 7 in mind. Uh, that's the deadline for landowners and producers on farms with generic base acres. 
to make the necessary decisions they need to make as part of the seed cotton ARC PLC implementation for the 2018 crop year. Uh, you're going to need to allocate generic base acres to seed cotton base and other covered commodity base acres. You're going to have to establish or update a PLC payment yields for seed cotton, collect either ARC county or PLC for seed cotton base for the 2018 crop year, and then go ahead and enroll the farm in either program for 2018. Uh, if you still need additional resources, examples, and information, uh, the best place to find that at this point is probably on the National Cotton Council website. And that's www.cotton.org. Very good, Jim. I thank you. Uh, I, you know what? I don't have this in our script that we read off of, or our guideline that we go off of here. But while we're tossing out newsy items, I want to do a very self-serving newsy item. <laughs> and uh, uh, ask y'all, request of y'all listeners, to check your inboxes, your email inboxes. If you are a Cotton Grower E-News uh, subscriber, we sent a uh, e-blast out to y'all asking for your input in the Cotton Grower 2019 acreage survey. Uh, nobody knows better than you guys and gals uh, kind of what the mood is out there in the Cotton Belt in terms of how much acreage will be out there next year. And uh, we always rely heavily on y'all's expertise to conduct this survey. It's a very tenuous proposition because y'all are asking this uh, old Miss boy who has never been terribly strong in math to do all of this data compilation. Uh, but I assure you, I have smart people who check behind me, uh, like Jim Stebbin here. So uh, we, uh, <laughs> we, we we will get the number right, uh, but it just depends on what you all tell us the number should be. So check those email inboxes. Give us your earnest response. We're asking you one main question, which is how, may, how much acreage do you expect there to be in your home state in 2019? That's the main number we want from you. So anyhow, be on the lookout for that. There's my very uh, self-serving news item. Sure. And I think, I think from, a, from a math perspective, we can, uh, we can get that sorted out pretty quickly as long as we don't have to go to Common Core math, which right. I just absolutely completely do not understand. <laughs> Yeah, Tim's got a couple of a couple of uh, well, one middle schooler and one grade schooler at home, so he's uh, more uh, familiar with that new complexity. Yeah, I'm, it really shows my age because I look at the math and go, I can get that answer, but that's not the way I go. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's some new stuff out there. So anyhow, uh, I want to pull rein us in for a minute here. Before we go any further, um, we want to pause and bring you a message from our sponsor, Phytogen. Our Cotton Grower Custom Content Editor, Robin Sickberg, recently had the chance to sit down and talk with uh, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist, our old Tennessee buddy, Chris Main. And so we're happy to hear from the both of them right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sitberg, Custom Content Editor for Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. My guest on this program today is Chris Main, Cotton Development Specialist with Phytogen. Chris, it's good to have you on the program. Thank you, Robin. It's good to be here. Chris, this year was the third year growers planted Phytogen W3FE varieties with the Enlist Weed Control System. It seemed to be pretty well received by growers because there was wide adoption of this technology all across the cotton belt. Why do you think growers like these varieties? Robin, let me first say a little bit about our varieties, and I'll talk a little bit about the weed control system with Enlist. Our newest Phytogen 
W3FE varieties produce higher yields and loan values compared to the competitor brand averages across all 2017 official variety trials. We only advance varieties that have improved performance over ones that are currently available in the field, meaning that producers can count on excellent performance of our new phytogen cottonseed harvest after harvest. I see. And I know all of these new varieties come with the Enlist cotton trait. What other traits do they offer? In addition to the Enlist cotton trait, phytogen varieties offer Wide Strike 3 insect protection, a three-gene BT technology in cotton that provides season-long insect protection against a wide spectrum of damaging lepidopteran pests, including improved control of cotton bollworm. Additionally, our varieties also offer exclusive phytogen breeding traits to provide growers peace of mind against seasonal pests and disease challenges such as bacterial blight, root knot nematodes, and verticillium wilt. Obviously, a big part of the appeal of the W3FE varieties is the ability to control weeds with the Enlist weed control system. So can you tell us a bit more about how the Enlist system works? Sure, Robin. Phytogen is the first and only cotton seed company to offer varieties with the Enlist cotton trait. That gives producers the ability to use three different herbicide modes of action, 2,4-D choline, glufosinate, and glyphosate. This helps eliminate tough-to-control and herbicide-resistant weeds on their farms. With multiple herbicide tolerances, farmers have the flexibility to control weeds for improved weed resistance management in their production system. Chris, I know that flexibility is important for cotton growers. What are the herbicides that growers can use with this program? First, Enlist 1 herbicide is a straight goods 2,4-D choline product that provides tank mix flexibility with qualified tank mix partners such as glufosinate or glyphosate herbicides. Enlist Duo is a convenient proprietary blend of 2,4-D choline and glyphosate that allows growers to have exceptional weed control with reduced drift potential and near-zero volatility from 2,4-D. Thanks, Chris. On the next podcast, we'll continue to talk about the benefits of the Enlist weed control system, but until then, growers can get more information at phytogen.com and enlist.com. All right, very good. Uh, thank you, Robin and Chris Main. Thank you, Phytogen, for that. Uh, we are going to keep things rolling here with our Market Minute. And uh, if there's anything impacting cotton prices uh, these days, you can surely find it in that WASDE report, which was just released on Thursday of last week, if I, if I recall correctly. So, uh, Jim, tell us uh, what that thing had in store for us this time around. Well, I think the overall the overall reaction or overall mood of this report for November uh, were reductions. Uh, you know, WASDE looks at uh, at both U.S. production and world production and uh, plus supply and demand. And for the U.S. balance sheet for November, uh, it's showing lower production, lower consumption, lower exports, and lower ending stocks. Uh, they've re- USDA has reduced the anticipated production by 1.35 million bales, uh, due primarily to decreases in the uh, in the southeast, uh, which reflects the impact, obviously, of Hurricane Michael. Uh, domestic mill use is is down 100,000 bales, and exports are reduced a half million bales. Uh, projected ending stocks for the 2018-19 marketing year are 700,000 bales lower. This month, basically at 4.3 million bales. Um, now, the we we obviously work with with our good friend Dr. O.A. Cleveland on a weekly basis, and he provides some input on uh, on certainly on this report and, and everything else. And some of the comments he made uh, recently about this report, uh, he's basically saying trading range 
of 75, uh, 75.5 to 80.5 cents remains in place and is really kind of locked in until some new fundamental is, is uncovered. Uh, his comment, of course, any news of, of any kind of resolution in the tariff issues are going to boost prices, while a continuation of the tariff is going to keep the market pretty much range, range bound at this point. Uh, he's concerned about the, uh, well, the, the significantly lower carryover level that, he, that, that the report showed. Uh, he says, obviously, it's going to help support prices in the current trading range. Uh, and will help ensure an increased planted acreage of cotton in the U.S. for 2019. So there's a lace input for uh, for our acreage survey. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's saying things are going up. He said things. He says, well, at least they're not going to go down. Yeah. At this point, uh, he says. However, the the biggest issue is going to be, one of the biggest issues is going to be uh, meeting the export forecast, uh, simply because so much cotton. As he said several weeks ago, all of the high-quality cotton for, for this, this crop year is already out of the field. Anything that's left out there right now is going to be lower grade. Uh, so basically, merchants are going to be fairly hard-pressed to meet quality standards that mills are looking for. Uh, but as he says, you know, even though the production numbers were lower uh, on this, he says this west, wet harvesting season could likely take the uh, final U.S. crop down another 100 to 150,000 bales. So uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much a, uh, a, you know, his, his opinion on that. Uh, he's also seeing the possibility of moving, moving things up. Uh, he said that trading range, of course, of 75.5 to 80.5 uh, cents. He, he's sensing that the possibility may be there. Uh, to get it closer to 80 cents here fairly soon. Uh, when you look at the world supply and demand forecast, everything there is, is also lower. Lower beginning stocks, lower production, lower consumption, lower trade, lower ending stocks. Uh, a lot of this month's, uh, there's a, a reported decline of, uh, again, half million bales in global beginning stocks. Uh, forecast global production is, is reduced to by 2.3 million bales, and that's primarily due to uh, smaller expected crops in the U.S. and, and other cotton-producing countries. Uh, consumption down 875,000 bales, uh, with global ending stocks uh, 1.8 million bales lower this month. So that basically takes ending stocks down uh, from in the in the well in the past month. From basically 74.5 million to 72.6 million bales. So uh, that, that ending stock, that primary, um, uh, the, the, the primary carryover numbers that we've been looking at and working with for the last couple of years, uh, particularly with numbers out of China, uh, we're starting to see that that, uh, that glut of cotton that's sitting out there is finally starting to break up. Well, I know that's it's good news, and it's a bitter pill to swallow. Uh, it's the it's the old double edged sword. You want supply to be tight uh, at the end of the year. We just would prefer us in the U.S. not being the ones who are having right. a crop that suffers that makes supply tight. Mm -hmm. But uh, on the on the to to put a positive spin on it, I remember having conversations with farmers uh, back when, uh, gosh, when was it? Oh eight, oh nine, twenty ten, when we had drawn acreage back. Right. significantly 
And those prices were still just floundering. And there was this feeling of despair. It's like, you know, what we're finding out is the world doesn't care how much the U.S. plants. The price is not going to respond if we don't plant an acre of cotton in the whole country, which is, of course, hyperbole. But, you know, that that was the feeling that prices weren't going to respond no matter how bad our crop was. It seems like what Away is suggesting and what the markets are likely to reflect is at least the market is responsive if we don't produce as much as we thought we were going to now. And that's mm-hmm. largely because what Jim touched on at the tail end there, we don't have this glut of stocks in Asia and China that are just kind of uh, uh, unnaturally propping up global stocks anymore. So at least the market is responding to our troubles is what I'm trying to say in a rather long-winded way of saying it. And, and I want to point out, too, that, that neither Beck nor I are economists. Right. Uh, we are simply, you know, humble reporters who, uh, who take information and, and process it and, and try to share it with you as best we can. But the one thing about the market right now is uh, there are parts of it that are relatively bullish and parts of it that are very bearish. And it's kind of rare to have the market have both of those dichotomies in there at the same time. So that's, that's one of the, one of the things that I think is keeping, keeping the market, keeping the market where it is at this point, as I understand it. Uh, but until something happens to get it to move one way or the other, and hopefully it moves toward the bullish side, uh, we're, we're just kind of in a pattern that we're, we're stuck in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to see it go north of that 80 cent trading range uh, more so than than the two editors at Cotton Grower Magazine, <laughs> believe us. We, we're right there with y'all. So uh, anyhow, we want to we want to rein that discussion in. We want to move on to our last item of the day, our one big thing uh, for this episode. And uh, we decided to kind of examine this news that came down the pipe uh, a week ago, maybe... October 31st. So, so a little over... It's a happy Halloween surprise. A little under two weeks ago now. Right. Um, when we discovered, we found that uh, Dicamba would, in fact, be re-registered. That was a, um, uh, seemed like for a while there, it was touch and go over whether or not that was going to happen, especially around here uh, in Memphis. We are at the very center of the Mid-South region, and, and uh, as you might well know, it is uh, the, this topic of Dicamba has been a hot topic around here over the past couple of seasons. So, Jim, what did we find out? Well, I think, think first of all, you got to give EPA credit on this. Uh, It had been anticipated that we would would have some sort of verdict from EPA on this free registration one way or the other, uh, probably by by now, probably by mid-November. So it was really kind of a surprise to see the announcement come out uh, right at the end of October. And part of that was... You know, from EPA's perspective of giving the states, giving producers, giving the industry time to react and prepare for uh, for the changes on the labels, uh, and to uh, and basically to do what they needed to do to get ready for the 2019 crop season. So let's jump into the details on this. Basically, EPA's extended the registration of dicamba for two more years for over-the-top applications to control weeds and fields, uh, again, for cotton and for soybeans, uh, those plants that obviously are genetically engineered to resist dicamba. Uh, it was not, there were a lot of people involved in making uh, this decision. Um, um, 
The decision was based on a review of a lot of information and extensive collaboration between EPA, state regulators, farmers, uh, academic researchers, uh, pesticide manufacturers, and other stakeholders in this. So as a, uh, as a result of all this, EPA has added 10 label changes for 2019 and 2020 to ensure, hopefully, that these dicamba products can continue to be used effectively. So again, here are the, kind of the, the quick bullet points on this. You have a two-year registration now for uh, extended registration for Extendamax, Ingenia, and Fexapan dicamba products uh, until December 20th of 2020. Only, one of the changes in this now is only certified applicators can apply dicamba over the top. Any other person working under the supervision of a certified applicator can no longer make applications. So you got to be a certified applicator at this point to uh, to apply the product. Uh, Over-the-top application of dicamba will be prohibited on cotton for 60 days after planting and 45 days after planting for soybeans. Uh, and the number of over-the-top applications for cotton is going to be limited to two applications. The original label said four and soybeans will remain at two over-the-top applications. Applications are going to be allowed only from one hour after sunrise to two hours before sunset, and part of that is to try to avoid inversion situations. In counties where endangered species may exist, downwind buffer is going to remain at 110 feet, and there will be a new 57-foot buffer around the other sides of the field. so that's going to be a change and uh, something else that uh, is going to take some education and factoring in. Well, uh, I can't decide if I, I, I kind of feel, I, I like the fact that they chose this not round number, 57 <laughs> feet. That feels like it's based on some pretty sound science. Well, you would think so. Yeah. You know, they didn't just pick or they didn't round up or round down. They, they yeah. stuck with the number that the, the data told them. To Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the labels also want to clarify a training period for 2019 and beyond. Uh, making sure that the training for all of the three products is going to be consistent. Uh, there will be enhanced tank clean-out instructions for the entire system. Uh, there will be an enhanced label to improve applicator awareness on the impact of low pH on potential volatility of dicamba. And then there's also just some cleanup work within the label uh, to uh, improve compliance and enforceability. Uh, We've got, you know, just preliminary looking at our preliminary follow-up and and, and research on this. These initial labels from EPA for these three products uh, are are reported to be at least 40 pages long. Oh, boy. Uh, So there's a lot of searching and digging and examination of these labels that are going on at the university level at this point. Uh, And also it... uh, you know, one thing we found out last year, individual states looked at the label, but also uh, also added their own uh, specifications or restrictions for use. Uh, that will probably continue. That option is still going to be there for the next two years. Uh, so it's it's good news from the perspective of we, you know, growers are still going to have a, a valuable tool in their in their toolbox to help take care of, of pigweed and other tough-to-control weeds. Uh, 
but it's going to be just a, the, res, the restrictions on it are going to be just a little bit tighter. And, and obviously things uh, folks will be watching and, uh, and making sure that uh, the applications are going on correctly. Yeah. And, and to be sure from, uh, at least from anecdotal stuff that I heard from the, from the field this year was that uh especially here in the Mid-South, but specifically in Tennessee. I spoke with Larry Steckel at a field day, and he told me um, that, you know, incidents of complaints were uh, trending better this year than they had the prior year. So so we certainly hope that uh, that continues to be the case. Yeah, in, in fact, Larry, who's who's a great resource for this uh, for this topic, uh, has a uh, – if you go – if you go online to uh, – news.utcrops.com, you'll find uh, a Call of the Week podcast that was done uh, by the University of Tennessee Extension folks. It was dated November 2nd. Basically, it's an interview with Larry who goes into as much detail as he can at this point on it. Obviously, there are still going to be some other changes and and things to do, but it's a very well done uh, interview and highly highly recommend it as a uh, as a good source for information right now. Absolutely, that that should be your second favorite ad podcast uh, <laughs> if you're if you're if you feel me. So uh, anyhow, good deal, Jim. I want to thank you again for leading us in that discussion. So all right, that is going to just about do it for this installment. I believe this was the thirty fifth installment uh, of the Cotton Companion podcast. I got the thumbs up from a partner in crime there, so I was taking a stab, but he he told me I'm right. So. We want to, uh, we just want to thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, we appreciate your support out there. We hope that you are enjoying the podcast. Uh, we want to once again thank our sponsors, Phytogen, for uh, sponsoring us as they graciously do. And uh, again, we just want to thank you sincerely for joining us. If you like what you're hearing, please do tell your buddies, your farmer friends about this pod, this podcast, The Cotton Companion. Uh, you can get to our podcast in three easy ways. You can tell them that they can get to our podcast in three easy ways. The first is to simply go to, to our website, cottongrower.com, and adding a forward slash companion to that URL such that it reads cottongrower.com slash companion. And there you'll, you'll come to a landing page that features all 35 of our previous episodes that you can choose from by topic. The second way to get to us is to subscribe to our channel on iTunes. If you have an Apple product and you're familiar with using uh, iTunes on your smartphone or the podcast app, go ahead and go in there, search in the podcast app for Cotton Companion. Just type in Cotton Companion and uh, it'll pull us up. You can subscribe there. Do us one better. Leave us a rating after you subscribe. Let us know how you think we're doing. We appreciate any and all feedback. The third and, in my opinion, best way to make sure you catch each and every episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast is to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. Jim here works hard to pack that thing with all of the relevant news of the day. And uh, they get your email inboxes like clockwork each Tuesday morning. Occasionally, they will be there on Thursday mornings as well. You can do that by going again to the website, cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. And there you'll find um, uh, very intuitive sort of prompts that lead you to subscribe to the e-newsletter. Also, final thing, make sure you follow us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us by simply searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. We hope that you are enjoying our latest issue, which at this point is the, you may be getting the November issue. You may be getting the November issue. There we go. Any moment now. Yeah, it's, it's hitting mailboxes as we pod. 
So uh, be on the lookout for that one. It's a good one. We are currently in production on our December issue, which you will be uh, finding in your email inboxes the second week of December, or rather in your actual snail mail mailboxes in the second week of December. Uh, anyhow, again, last thing, I want to thank our sponsors from Phytogens. This podcast is produced by Mr. Tyler Hatch, who works at the Mothership, Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I will be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own cotton companion, Mr. Jim Stedman, we wish you and your operation all the best. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com. <laughs>